Hey, honeys, just a little reminder that you are enough. Go out and be free. You know how I feel about joy. My, that is I do. Full-time job is to protect my Black joy. And I feel like that's all we got. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, and that's where I'm going to put my time. Child, please. If you want it, you got it. Go get it. Child, please. Child, please. The world is waiting for you. It. We love it. We have another season in the season books. Season two we did it. in the books. Child, please, deuces, number two, dos. <laughs> I don't know how many other ways to say two. <laughs> dos. And by we, I mean Diane, <laughs> uh, <laughs> our producer extraordinaire who pulls all these wonderful episodes that you listen to together. We had the pleasure to talk about perimenopause, Girl. honey. Diet talked about culture. motherhood or the lack our thereof. Our body is our temple. <laughs> we talked about you know daddy. that daddy issue. I'm still honey. Getting this was a season DMs about the daddy issues. <laughs> so like that episode really Ooh, struck a chord. So excited to be able honey. to bring that to the people. Bring that to the honeys. Yes. Well, it's also been an amazing year because of our NAACP Image Award well, nomination. Were we, were we nominated for any awards okay. this year? <laughs> Were we dressed? <laughs> were we dressed and faces beat at the NAACP Image nomination events? Just styling, profiling, red <laughs> carpeting. <laughs> Don't invite us anywhere. Is basically what we we're just want to say. Thank you to all the honeys out there for hanging in there with Child Please for yet another season of big laughs, big truths, big conversations, and that sister talk that you need. We just really appreciate y'all for hanging in there with us. Absolutely. And we can't wait to come back with an even bigger and badder (laughs) and honeyer season three. So check out, check out that. In the meantime, we're going to be some doing some fun things in between seasons. So make sure that you are signed up for our newsletter. All the links are going to be below the show notes. Sign up for our newsletter, Taste of Honey. Follow us on IG, Twitter, and TikTok. Honey's on TikTok. Okay. I still don't understand it. The Honey's on TikTok. And if you're interested in seeing behind the scenes of how Honey Child, the production company behind Child Please is built, we encourage you to become a Honey Insider. You get uh, exclusive behind the scenes info, updates, all that good stuff. So visit honey-child.com to learn more. Well, thank you for a fabulous season. And here are just a few, because there were so many favorite moments, just a few of our favorite moments from season two. Until next time, be free, honeys. Ciao, please. Be Ciao, free. Ciao, Ciao, please. Ciao, please. You know, so we just kind of did life. We just went through life. We did, we traveled a lot. I love the beach. So we went all to, you know, to the beach a lot. We did a lot of cruises to Mexico because they're easy. 
the port is like 25 minutes from us. So we loved Mexico. And then at one point we started saying, hey, one day we're going to pack up and move to Mexico. But it was just kind of um, a joke, you know, it's a running joke. And then it was like, yeah, we're going to we're not going to have a guest room. We're going to have a very thin mattress on a, a sleeper sofa. So it was stuff like that. <laughs> Folks can't show up unannounced. <laughs> no, you just can't come in here. <laughs> so, so we started talking about that. And then as I got probably in, I don't know, 17, 18 years in my career, I figured out that I'm killing myself mm. and I'm not one to turn off. So in the type of work I do, I mean, I walk outside and I see the results of my work, right? And so it it was hard for me. And I live in the community of which I work. So I'm at the grocery store and people are, are, you know, talking to me or, you know, stuff like that. Oh, I saw you in the newspaper. Can you tell me about this? Or I saw you on TV. Can you tell? And it was just, it was everything. Mm -hmm. And a couple of years before I retired, I just started having all these ailments. I don't eat poorly. I can eat lettuce every day and be very happy, you know? So, but I was having these problems. I have diabetes and, and there was no, they were just like, everything is coming from stress. My blood pressure was going up. So here I was at 41, 42 diabetes, high blood pressure, high cholesterol. So then I I started thinking about, I've got to stop, but I don't know how to turn it off. And so fast forward, my husband met a lady that he worked with who had a sister. It's a convoluted. But anyway, she had a sister who had moved to Cancun and we've never been to Cancun. We've been all over Mexico, never been to Cancun. And so we met with her at dinner one night and just she was talking. I pulled out my phone sitting right there at dinner and I got on Southwest.com and eight days later we was on the plane. And, okay, like, I've I never mean, heard it was, this story. <laughs> it was never, it wasn't well thought through. So that's why I, I do want to dis- dispel that. It was not something that was thought through at all. She had friends that said, hey, we can, you can stay here in our basement for, you know, when you come to Mexico. And so we did a couple of resorts and then we stayed a night in, with this lady. Again, people we've never met. This was a white lady from Canada. We're in her basement in a city we've never been in with a lady we have never met who's friends of another lady who we didn't really know. So we did that. and uh, But that's how we, badly you clearly wanted it because you were like, yeah. I am willing to go and talk to these strangers and figure out what I can do to make but myself well. Sometimes I feel yeah. like we need to just do it. We just need to pull the trigger. Like I think sometimes when we think about it and we, you know, we go back and forth and we analyze, sometimes we just need to like back ourselves into a corner. I switched to a cup and I had a whole conversation on a post on Instagram about me trying the cup and what happened and how different it was and trying these different versions of period and sanitary products that I had never tried before just because I was like, well, what the hell? And the response from that on Facebook, on Instagram, people wanting to ask more questions and what was that? And well, okay, well, how long have you been using cup or other people being like, it was amazing. We do not talk about our periods at all. We do not know if the things that are going, that we're going through, the cramps, the pain, the nausea, the headaches, the migraines, the, like any of those things, we're not sure if they are, if, if everybody else just feels that way. And so I'm normalizing things that could be actually bad symptoms or symptoms of something worse, fibroids, et cetera. I think we just need to have these conversations. And so what you're saying really resonates. 
what made me actually like go forward was Ivy, to your point, is that I actually found a statistic that said that women who have a community to talk about specifically what was going on with perimenopause actually suffer less severe perimenopausal symptoms. And it Mm. wasn't like if you have a loving partner or your kids are nice to you. (laughs) He ain't helping with your perimenopause. (laughs) No, that's what it was. It was like, it really has to be women who can, you know, relate to what you're talking about, but there's actually studies that show that. So I was like, well, then this is a no brainer. Again, I'm not a medical professional. I'm not selling herbs and spices that are going to make the menopause <laughs> go away. I or any that- of the other new vaginal products. Everybody wants to steam their vagina no. now. Oh Leave your God, vagina everybody, alone, people. <laughs> everybody wants to have a product that they're saying it's going to make it better. No, but we can come together. We can talk about it, take the stress levels out because we do know that many menopausal symptoms are exacerbated by stress. So if you're stressed because you're hiding it, you're stressed because you don't know if you're dying or not, you're stressed because you want to know when it's going to be over, blah, 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 then all of those symptoms will be exacerbated. So if you do have a release, a place to get answers, a place to have a communication with other women, then yes, then that's what I wanted to do. And the My Bloody Hell, really, the title came to me in the shower. I was like... So I'm curious about other like major losses in your life that you would consider that you went through a grieving process that wasn't death, whether it's loss of a friendship, relationship, like what are some other losses that took you through the grieving process? <laughs> I was just thinking to myself, you know, it's, there have definitely been friendships that I have treasured that have been lost. I used to be very stuck on like my love life and the relationships that I've had and thinking about breakups. I mean, at one point, (laughs) three or four years after I had broken up with this person who I thought I was so deeply in love with, I called him up and went down to see him and told him that I was breaking up with him again. Like, who is this dramatic <laughs> chick? Like, why does she have to be so much drama? Oh but it was for me. I needed to go and break up again because I said to him, and I said it to him very straightly. I said, look, every person that I have been with after you, I have compared to you and compared to the ideal that I have of you in my head. Mm. And that needs to stop and I need closure, which is why I'm coming to say to you in your face, this is the situation. I remember he said some gobbledygook at the time. <laughs> that was something, <laughs> something that really helped me to focus. Yes. He said something like, well, I just need you to know that of all the women I have ever been with, you know, I have loved you the most. <laughs> The most, (laughs) like, I'm not sure that I love you, like, really enduringly, but But the the last chick, definitely the most, definitely more than her (laughs) and the one before and the one I cheated on you with, more than them. (laughs) But it it was the first time because I was open to it and ready to hear it and beyond all of the parts of grieving, like bargaining and doing all the things, because I was ready to hear it. 
I heard what he said for what it actually was. And I was like, this nigga. <laughs> <laughs> and it just, it broke the spell. Like, you know what I mean? So like, that activity, <laughs> as outrageous as it was to break up with him three years later again, it really helped you with the healing process. And the- Girl, I got on a train and went down to another state to do this. I was like, I got to do this. And it was so important and so worth it. So I feel like when people say that I'm confrontational, I often say like confrontation doesn't have to be a bad word. Sometimes confronting the things that you're scared of, that you are anticipating, that you are, that are the fears in the deepest part of you, just open yourself up to what's the worst thing that could happen and let it happen to you. And then you didn't die. I didn't die. Yes. You know, I still look good. My skin's still clear. (laughs) And when we don't confront, you know, we're holding on to a lot of those things that we then start to, I think, take up space in our bodies. Like we start to feel it in our physical bodies. We're like, why why my back hurts? Like, because we carrying all this shit we need to release. I have to know though, what's yours? What's yours? You got to have, I'm sure you have an amazing story. Oh, I have so many losses, but I, I feel like, you know, in terms of relationships, my last serious relationship, I thought it was going to be the one, you know, we were talking about marriage and kids, honey. If you know me, you know, that was serious. <laughs> I was like, children? I should say kid, <laughs> not poor, bro. Little Felicia Tots. But like all the things, all the things, you know, then I found out that our relationship was not what it was, that he had been cheating on me for essentially the beginning of the relationship. I wish I could feel shocked. I'm so mad sometimes at at Black men, but like... <laughs> I was so devastated, so, so devastated and went through all the back and forths and and also I was in a lower season, let's be honest. I was in a lower season. Yeah. So that also compounded with this fucked up relationship. And so I was going, I went to Dr. Ty and she said something so profound. She was like, you know, it's one thing to be grieving the relationship, but what I was really grieving was this vision for my life that never existed. You definitely in your work come from a trauma-informed approach to these conversations as opposed to a privileged diet culture one. Like how do you, how do you make the connection to the two, how do you sort of approach that in your work? I think something that is lost is the listening and just to listen because all of those folks, you know, had far different stories than just showing up and me making assumptions like you just want to be thinner, you know, so why don't you eat? And so listening to them and then being able to validate that their body narratives have been written by white supremacy. I understand what you're going through. How can we make choices? And really, maybe now it's not the time for you to engage in recovery. So from my perspective, or the way I come out things is more just like trying to understand what people are saying rather than coming in with assumptions as many clinicians do. Yeah, they don't ask about trauma. They don't ask about, you know, immigration status, acculturative stress. They don't, Mm. you know, ask about any of that, your adverse childhood events. So. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like in your role 
as a dietitian, you're sort of touching on psychological stresses. You're touching on like almost like being a social worker in some ways and sort of asking about their backgrounds and how environmental stresses. Yeah. It's like so many different places that you need to touch on. Is that something that you're seeing more in the dietitian community that people are starting to think more about the stressors around the whole person? It's not just about the food and the food diary and the managing of that particular, you know, this meal or the next meal. Right. Yes. And (laughs) so I've heard that from older dietitians, white dietitians, it'll be very interesting. They'll say, yes, I understand what you're saying about trauma-informed care, about health disparities. So how do we make a trauma-informed way to make people lose weight? (laughs) It is like, how do we, you know, ask the right questions to do the same thing that just happened? It was like, Jessica, can you make a questionnaire for us? Um, That's, that's not what this work is. And where do you feel like Because, you know, you also talk about body positivity and how it fails to serve marginalized communities, including queer and trans people. Where do you feel like the body positivity movement fits within all of all of this? The way I think about body positivity is the ability to think yourself into, you know, having a better body or to think yourself to positivity And so often with body image concerns, like these are not things that we're just coming up or making up in our mind. These are the things that are happening to us when we leave and walk outside. Like I can feel great and very positive about my own body, you know, but then I walk outside. Mm -hmm. So the, you know, interventions and creating like this cognitive dissonance so that we know that (laughs) we're, we're able to question like our internal thoughts about our body. And I'm like, it's not internal. Like I went to work today (laughs) and I was treated this way. So body positivity is just really easy when you're already privileged for the rest of us. Not so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We can't kale and quinoa ourselves out of systemic racism (laughs) is what I'll say. It's funny because I tell people like who can't float, for instance, in water, I'm like floating is all about surrender. Like the reason why you probably can't float is because you can't surrender and let go. And I think also when we think about quieting the mind, there's something there that we need to get to the root cause of. Well, you know, that struck me just now because, you know, the word surrender. Now, for some people, it hits with the same sort of high pitched twang as the word submission. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm, Like people mm -hmm. are like, "Mm, mm, mm, I don't like that word. It's a big word. It's a big word. Surrender is a better word for me. It doesn't hit the high pitch, but it kind of kind of slides in there in the middle. And I like yeah. the idea of surrender, but I will tell you that most of the time when I'm working late, when I'm on that adrenaline, I am fighting my tiredness. And so the mm. idea of giving into it just feels like a loss, like I'm doing the wrong mm. thing or I'm, you know what I mean? So because mm. when when it's time to sleep, I have no trouble sleeping. <laughs> I've never, <laughs> I go on planes, people are like, no, oh, well, how was... are you going to sleep? It's, you know, you're going to get on the plane and then you go, I'm I like, like before like they this. even take off, before the door is closed, before like the door is closed. <laughs> If you give me the opportunity, if you open the door, if you crack the door, I will go to sleep. (laughs) So I have the ability to sleep. Some people have a lot of terrible insomnia or anxiety that Mm -hmm. keeps them going. I have the ability to sleep and sleep hard. That's a big sort of epiphany, like actively fighting it. 
That really is the word surrender. Oh, we've had so many good words, honey child words, yes. like pleasure. We're going to do a little word list, a little vocabulary list to, on this For episode. real. But surrender is a good one because sometimes you have to open yourself up to the idea that that goal, that sleep is bigger than you are. It's more than just rest and you have to give into it. And I am a person who is so tightly controlled most of the time that the Mm. idea of opening myself and releasing to give into that thing, because I have goals, I'm going to finish this document. I'm going to give this thing. I'm going to write this presentation. And I have these goals in there. I have to check off the boxes. And that sometimes, ooh, ooh, ooh this intervention, honey. I don't want to give into it. I don't want to give into it because it ooh, feels like loss. loss. And that, ooh, ooh we done talk. See, we, this is my therapy right here. Here we go. <laughs> we done done it. I have never put those things together, but that is the truth because I can feel it because the, like, the hair on the back of my neck feels weird. But like, that's the truth. I have never... I have never been able to release myself enough because it feels like a loss and I'll be taking no L's. You talk about how that intensive mothering is something that we usually ascribe to white mothers, but in in your words, black mothers parent like a motherfucker too, their efforts just go unseen. What did you find in addition to your own experience with black mothers and this intensive mothering phenomenon? It's funny because we parent in a very intentional way, what I found, right? And it's a very specific experience, like, you know, Black, middle-class, college-educated, 99.9% heteronormative, cisgendered, you know, coupledom, right? But we parent in a very intentional way, and there's all this invisible labor, and I've spoken about this and given speeches on it, there's this invisible labor that we do on top of the intensive mothering, on top of something they call concerted Mm. cultivation, which is like, you know, the classes and the tutoring and all of that, Mm. is that we're also looking, because I can't just put my girls in ballet, which they are in ballet. I want to be a dance mom. I'm not ashamed of that. (laughs) (laughs) Stage mother in training. Thank you. I love it. But my girls, the ballet class I have to find for my girls has to be taught by Black women, right? You know, uh, you know, the ideally she's got 4C hair and almond skin, you know, like I am looking for like this zeroed in experience because yeah. I'm intentional about how my daughter sees herself in the world, which is she's in the world and she belongs in every space. So I've got to do all this extra work around that. And what I found in talking to my black mom friends, right? Because I'm in all these different groups. I won't even tell you how many WhatsApps and group chats and group (laughs) meetings I have working. But my Black mom friends, they're doing all the same work too. They are doing all the same work too. We're getting together like, oh, we want the kids have winter break, which is such a, it's an East Coast thing that I had never heard of, right? It's just like, oh, we got a week (laughs) off in February just because And of course, all the Black moms are like, shoot, Black people in the snow, let's all go skiing. You know, it's so bougie. But at the same time, we're like, we want to show these kids they can do that too. We want to show these kids they can ski. They can be a part of that. And what's the first thing we're thinking? Where's it's a Black ski instructor. It is extra work. It's extra labor when you as a Black parent are serious about it. And we are all very serious about it because we see what happens when we, quote unquote, take our foot off the gas. So I saw my father drifting, 
right? Mm. Like he was the fun dad, but he was always preoccupied and drifting and keep this habit going. When we left Jersey, that's when we had like a complete break. And I think that is when I understood really what was happening in my relationship with with him started to decline for sure. And how does that show up today for you? Like, do you see echoes of that relationship, either him being the fun dad who, but that wasn't super engaged or otherwise? It's interesting because I did a lot of work around it. You know, when he passed, we were in a really great place. We had a great relationship because I was like, he's a shitty dad. That ain't going to change. He was a shitty dad, but that doesn't mean he can't play other roles in my life. I also saw Mm -hmm. him kind of make amends in terms of being able to be a great grandfather to my niece. I saw him have love at the end of his life, which was great. But also I knew he always wanted to get back to where he was, the plot, this lot in life that he was, and he wasn't able to do that. So that was very sad to me, very tragic. But we had a great relationship. He was one of my biggest cheerleaders. But that was through a lot of therapies. So I have this memory that I Mm -hmm. uncovered doing some therapy work where I was at my cousin's salon, who's my father's cousin. So she's like his age. I'm sitting, waiting to get my hair done. I haven't seen my father at this point. I didn't even know where he was, what he was doing, but I knew he was in Baltimore. I was probably like 19. He comes into the salon. He's blasted. He looks me in my eyes, keeps walking. His cousin is like, Felix, your daughter's Mm -hmm. sitting right there. And he looks. And like, you know, oh, 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 Felicia. So that moment to me kind of captures the need when I feel overlooked, Mm. when I feel like you don't see me, like that has definitely, I've seen that play itself out in different areas of my life for sure. Like that core memory was huge. (laughs) No, it's hard. Like this parent thing, like- yeah. I think one of the reasons why I don't want to have children is that I've realized how we are shaped not just by what they tell us, but by every little tiny yeah. interaction yes. that we have had with them. And it will shape you in ways that feel like water, or it will shape you in ways that feel like chisel and axe. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. And I've always said that my whole life has been about running away from the things in me that were my father Mm. and running towards the things in me that were my mother. Honey. But like you can't do either. You can't run away from or towards. You have to work through all of that stuff that's jumbled up inside of you, the pain and the pleasure and the joys, the wanting the reward, the wishing he was here. You know, like I always thought to myself, I'm fine. I've always been this girl who had such a strong female figure in my life that I could do anything. But I realized that even in the partners that you end up picking and the things that you do in relationships, you are just replaying old scripts. So interestingly enough, in the fall of 2017, I started to talk openly about a lot of the woundedness that we find in the sisterhood, right? And that was the same time that Me Too kind of relaunched. Shout out to Tarana Burke. Mm -hmm. And it was just a lot of talking about trauma day in and day out. Mm -hmm. As you can imagine, after a year of doing that, my soul was weary, okay? Mm -hmm. Bishop Salon said, I'm weary of the ways of the world, okay? Mm -hmm. I was weary. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I learned, y'all, that if I started to talk about pleasure, then the trauma would inherently come up. 
because you cannot get to a place of pleasure if you haven't dealt with the trauma. You can only experience as much pleasure as you have experienced healing. And so that's why I talk about pleasure. The healing is going to come. All right. All right. <laughs> okay. I know we need to we need to go ahead and we need to back that up. All right, let's back it up. Or just sit in that for a minute. Let's because, just yeah. unpack that sentence go for a second. Because mm-hmm. that's a good sentence. Lay it in. There. So we can only experience as much pleasure as mm-hmm. we have experienced healing. Can you yep. go deeper on that? Because I want to understand it. Absolutely. So for most Black women, we have been influenced by Black church politics. Even if you didn't grow up in the church, something about purity culture, something about respectability politics, Mm -hmm. something about what you're supposed to do as a Black girl or Black woman has come up. And so we have been conditioned to survive in a merit-based worthiness system where it was, what can we achieve? What can we do? How can we demonstrate we're a woman of faith? How can we get the best grades, the degree, the job, the corner office, right? It's acquire, acquire with his finger (laughs) one time. (laughs) In my life with, oh, sorry. Well, listen, I, I don't know about you, but I'm the daughter of Caribbean immigrants. I'm first generation. So that's a whole other layer, child. So Southern and Southern Baptist parents. Yes. Okay. Child. So (laughs) the thing is, if you're raising that kind of culture, family, church, and society teaching you minimize what you want because your Mm. desires are inherently evil and go against the divine, then you are learning to decenter your pleasure. And I don't even mean sexual pleasure. I'm talking about what do you like to do? Perfect example. I met a honey on the road when I did a lecture and it's called the pleasure principle. It's my signature talk. People love it. Right. And we happened to have a talk back at the end of that lecture. And she told me that as a mom of four boys, when her fourth son went off to college, the next morning she wakes up and goes to make eggs. She doesn't know how to cook the eggs because she's been making the eggs for 18 years plus the way her kids like them. Mm. So the moment she has, her own the second, choice. right. She has a moment to herself. She doesn't even know how she wants her eggs. If you don't know how you want your eggs, you don't know how, what makes you come. You don't know what lights you up. <laughs> that is so true, honey. You need to know you how know? you like your eggs. Yes. So honey. you got to heal Ooh. and unlearn and decolonize and liberate and get to a place where you center your pleasure. And I know when I'm talking to Black women, I have to address religion and spirituality. We had a conversation recently with a friend who was like, you know, they realized they need to be taken care of. And they gave an example. An example to me, I said, now, is that being taken care of or is that an assistant? Because (laughs) you need a team? Like, what are you saying? (laughs) I'm just like, let's get an assistant. Like, I, I, you know, certainly, and it's just wild to me. I'm like, that's what you think about when you think about a relationship like that's yeah. what you think the value of a partner could bring is like ordering something like you can exactly. outsource that honey and the one thing that i'm not gonna do <laughs> is <laughs> that is, i can outsource yeah i'm not gonna so, be on your payroll <laughs> this is not what i know about. and you want you want me to be on your payroll you want me to cook you want me to fuck like as i say you gotta choose one you gotta choose one. Is it fucking or is it ordering or Amazon? Be everything. Is it ordering Amazon or is it fucking? Which one is it? Pick well, one. for me, that that sort of rings a bell too because I have a thing about. So, one, anybody who claims to be an alpha male, 
<laughs> like if you call yourself an alpha male, if you have like this whole dialogue about being an alpha male, if you like, I'm a, a, like, I can't with all of this, yes. this accoutrement, be who you are. And if you yes. show me who you are, I decide if I vibe with it. If you have to label something and tell me that I'm, I'm alpha, I'm out. But the other thing is I have met a lot of men and I don't know, I don't know where this comes from, but I've, I have met a lot of men who, particularly on the apps, who are looking for someone to complete them. Meaning mm. like they'll say, oh, you're, you're a traveler. You do all this traveling. That sounds really great. You know, I've always wanted to travel. So like if we were together, then you would like, oh, no, 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 no. Let me explain something. Mm-hmm. I am looking for a partner. So, and I'm looking for somebody who is fully formed. They don't have to be perfect. They don't have to be, you know, all like have every single part of their pain managed. They don't have to have every single part of their background, you know, but they have to reconcile things, but they don't have to be perfect, but they have to be fully formed of humans and adults. And so yes. to me, what is important in looking at you as a partner is knowing that you are living a life that you are proud of. Thanks, honeys. Until next season, go out and be free. Hey, honeys. Honey Child is an independent boutique media and entertainment company run by Black women. We speak with love to an underserved audience, Black women 40 and over, or honeys as we call them. And we're not just bringing our own seats. We're building our own damn table too. And we'd love for you to be a part of it. Become a Honey Insider. Support what you want to see in the world and receive exclusive access to what we're building. To learn more, head to our website at honey-child.com. honey-child.com.